the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, as we're all aware, this is Holy Week, though perhaps for a lot of us, doesn't feel like it. There's that certain sense of foreboding that's in the air, and, and certainly as much as we feel repulsed by so much of what we hear on the news, we also seemingly like an automobile accident along the side of the road can't turn our eyes away from it. And yet I think it's important to put some perspective on all of this, that as much as we've been impacted, our families, our incomes, certainly perhaps even directly touched by the impact of COVID-19, maybe with a loved one or somebody in your family or a co-worker that's been diagnosed with it, let's not lose sight of the fact that while all of this is going on, so too is Easter. And the message of Easter is not one of gloom and death and destruction, but in fact, just the opposite. It is a message of hope, and get this, victory over sin, death, and the grave. To help put some perspective on what we're all going through this Easter, we're joined by best-selling author Leslie Leland Fields. She's written all kinds of phenomenal books. She is a professor at Seattle Pacific University. She's been a contributing editor. And of course, many of her books, including one of her more recent, Your Story Matters, Finding, Writing, and Living the Truth of Your Life, published by NAV Press. And Leslie, great to have you back on the program. Oh, it's good to be here with you again, Craig, especially during this week, this this really special week. It is indeed a special week, though, as I suggested in my opening remarks. For many of us, it doesn't feel like it. You know, normally we're looking to a time to gather with family and friends and maybe have a special uh, dinner on Sunday. And that, of course, after we've attended Easter services, maybe go to an Easter sunrise service, attendance in maybe um, some sort of a special gathering on Good Friday as well. And for millions of Americans, out of an abundance of caution, a lot of that has been taken away from us. And yet, as much as perhaps we have a longing for normalcy during this time, maybe it's important to be mindful that the one thing that no COVID disease could ever steal from us, and that is Christ's victory over death and the grave. Yeah, and I, I think we actually have a really special opportunity this year to be able to think about that in a new way and to focus on it in a new way. Because, as you say, all of those things have been removed. All of those ways that we normally celebrate Easter and the Resurrection and Holy Week. And here at my house, Easter is a big day. We have, you know, I invite 20 people over. You know, we fill the house and make this huge meal. And we have a sunrise service and a special breakfast at church. And we, you know, have all these special things that we do to celebrate. But I think here is the really wonderful good news that that maybe we can we can experience more deeply this year, and that is all that stuff's going to be gone. I mean, every every one of it gone, and yet what we celebrate is still true, right? Jesus died for us. 
He covered our sins. He paid our debt. He was buried for us. He was resurrected for us. He fills us with his spirit today. He enlivens us. He feeds us. He loves us. All of this, we have, we have a chance to, to really look at that without all these other distractions. And, um, and I think maybe the, the good news is that it doesn't matter how we feel this Easter. You know, I, I mean, so here's what Easter is going to look like for me and probably for everybody else, too. I'm going to be sitting on the couch in my living room, maybe in my pajamas. Maybe my hair is going to be all messy. I'm not going to have makeup on. I'm not going to have a pretty dress on. My husband will be there. My two teenage sons will be there. And, you know, they're going to, there's going to be some kind of singing, you know, in our church service. And I don't know, my, my teenage sons probably won't sing. And I don't know if I'm going to sing. And, you know, after all that is over, we're going to go to the kitchen and have some kind of meal that I've prepared. And in some ways it's going to be just, weird and maybe sad but here's the thing all that we're all that we're celebrating is still true it's still true no matter how we feel about it no matter the state of our feelings and this is what i love about our faith it's not dependent on our feelings it's not dependent on our circumstances and that's that's the best news of all and I think that's so very important to also sort of highlight, embolden, underscore, because, you know, I put it this way. Oftentimes I've said at times in my life when I've come down maybe with the cold and it kind of puts me down and out of commission for three or four days, I usually say, well, you know, let me redeem the time. Um, if the Lord has seen fit to allow me to come down with this cold, here's an opportunity for me to catch up some catch up on some rest do some Bible study, do some reading, a little bit of time to take account. Well, America has caught this bigger thing called COVID-19, and maybe in as much as we can be as busy about the business of doing Easter than really entering into Easter, as much as we do at Christmas time when we have to remind ourselves in the midst of the decorating, the shopping, and the plans for family and friends gathering and so forth, we have to be constantly reminded that Jesus is the reason for the season. And likewise, Jesus is the reason for Easter. Jesus is the reason that we have the ability to to obtain victory over the consequences of sin in and through him and his marvelous sacrifice, his work on the cross and his incredible victory over sin, death, and the grave that we celebrate on Easter Sunday. And so maybe instead of looking at this with a sense of foreboding or longing for normalcy, to see this as in one may maybe kind of a gift from God to really get a chance this Easter 2020 to focus on the things that really matter, not just to us, but the things that really matter to God. Yeah, and it's so good. You know, everything that we do, all our busyness, busyness, our frantic sort of performance that we go through on Easter Sunday, all that's been laid aside. And and I think it's good. I think God has great purposes in all of this. And I think God is going to call many into his kingdom through through what's happening now and, and across the world. And, Craig, I know we're almost out of time, but I want to finish with these verses from... Um, from Corinthians, that and just just tenderly remind people, no matter how you're feeling, no matter your emotional state, no matter your difficult circumstances right now, here's what's true. And and this this is such a beautiful passage. It says, "For the trumpet 
will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And Jesus has taken the sting out of death. And that's what we're celebrating this Easter. Whether our emotions are on the mountaintop or whether we're down a valley, it doesn't matter. This is true, and this is what Christ has done for us. Boy, that passage of Scripture just really hones in on where our attitude, our thought process, our heart needs to be right now. Uh, we turn on the TV daily, or we log on to uh, our favorite news website, and we see what's going on, and it's more reporters, more reports of death and, and uh, carnage that it's doing to families and lives. And yet, we have to be mindful of the fact that this is the very thing that Christ came to rescue us from. And I think of the, 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 the passage by Paul when he talks about uh, to, to be um, separate from the bodies, to be present from the Lord, meaning upon death we are immediately entering into his presence. But the good news is we don't have to wait <laughs> until we're called right. home to experience that entering into his presence. This is something I believe that God is calling us to do right now, right at this very moment, at this very juncture in history. Yes, for sure. And oftentimes it takes hard things to get our attention. We are so stubborn, Craig, and we are so blind. And um, and God is God is shaking us. He's shaking us down to our very foundations. And He's not shaking us to destroy us. He's shaking us to show us real life, real peace, real joy. This Easter 2020, an opportunity to not just rethink our priorities, but most importantly, reimagine, rethink our relationship with Christ as together we celebrate Easter and the glory of his resurrection. Our thanks to best-selling author Leslie Leland Fields for being with us. Leslie, I know that uh, even up in Alaska, you're uh, under quarantine in, in a fashion or another, and uh, we continue to uh, to pray for uh, God's blessings for you and appreciate so much your spending some time with us. Oh, thank you so much, Craig. It's always a privilege. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If we are beginning to learn anything from this current crisis, that is, it's critically important to stay vigilant at all times. And that vigilance extends beyond concerns about our health, concerns over the health and safety of our own families, to other things going on in the background of our nation today. And I'm not talking specifically about the economy, though certainly that's a concern to many of us. But while the coronavirus has interrupted so much of life, so much of life goes on. And sometimes it goes on quietly behind the scenes sometimes not by accident, but intentionally so. And perhaps perhaps that gives some insight to a bill that's making its way through the California state legislature 
sponsored by none other than Planned Parenthood. And to tell us more about what's going on, we're joined by Greg Burt. Greg is the Director of Capital Engagement on behalf of the California Family Council. And Greg, always a delight and an education to have you join us. I guess we shouldn't at all be surprised that there will be some that would literally try to take advantage of the fact that Californians have their attention elsewhere to try to push pretty draconian measures through the state legislature. Tell us what's going on with this latest bill sponsored by Planned Parenthood. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Uh, Planned Parenthood never seems to stop, even uh, during a crisis. But they have sponsored a bill um, that targets health insurance companies, and more or less it it tells uh, these insurance companies that they must keep secrets from parents regarding the medical services that their children are receiving. So this is kind of the opposite of transparency. And the bill just tells uh, insurance companies, hey, when children and minors under, uh, minors and children under 26, because now you can be on your parents' insurance up to 26, those children have privacy rights, privacy rights from their own parents. And when you send a bill to the parent about what type of services that they need to pay co-pays on, you can't give any details on certain procedures and treatments that your children are receiving. Now, they call these particular treatments, so they have to keep secret sensitive. Now, here's the list of sensitive treatments. Abortions, any kind of mental health treatment, um, uh, STD treatment, HIV treatment, rape and sexual assault treatment, and under certain circumstances, also sex genes operations and cross-sex hormones um, are can be given to your children and be paid for by your own insurance, and you won't be able to know about that. Now, now, let me interrupt for a moment, because last time I checked in the state of California, a minor can't enter into a contractual agreement, a minor can't vote, um, a child under the age of majority can't go to the school nurse and request an aspirin without parental notification and parental authorization because that would be prescribing or or, um, providing medication to a child. And yet that same child can go into a doctor's office, request a certain procedure, in this case related to anything from drug abuse to uh, gender dysphoria treatment to uh, even up to and including abortion, and they want to make certain that that quote-unquote right to privacy, and I'm using my air quotes here, you can't see it, but right to privacy is protected that would make it incumbent upon insurance companies not to divulge that information in spite of the fact that these are minors and in spite of the fact that the parents are paying for said health insurance. This is remarkable. It is remarkable, and I don't think most parents realize the type of privacy rights that have been given to children over the last 20 years. It's kind of been incremental, um, and the, the right to get an abortion has been around for over 20 years. Um, and But what's been happening is that insurance companies, when they send in, uh, you know, they have an explanation of benefit, they send to the policy owner, many times they, you know, describe exactly what type of services the insurance is paying for. So it's uh, they inadvertently uh, reveal uh, these policy, these treatments that their kids are receiving. Now, the only thing in this list that is unclear uh, for minors to receive is puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. Currently, uh, it is unclear what the law says. Currently, Planned Parenthood 
on their website still says that they have to get the parent's permission to start kids, young kids, on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. But that is really on shaky ground. Um, I talked to a particular uh, attorney, uh, uh, parents' rights attorney uh, from the Pacific Justice Institute, and he thinks that a Supreme Court case from 20 years ago could give young kids the right to consent to these cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers as a minor. Uh, although, and I know that the, the Teachers Association, the California Teachers Association, is advocating for this wow. um, at the moment. But we don't have any. But we don't have any specific instances of it happening quite yet. But we know that's where they're going. And, and, and clearly, given the history on this issue of gender dysphoria over the last two, three years, I would highly suspect that if it isn't there yet, they will certainly push for this before a measure of this sort would be approved and eventually go on to the governor's desk for his signature. That said, you're telling me, Greg, that a minor, a child, can engage in life changing, life-altering, and if we include abortion in there, potentially life-threatening medical procedures. And not only can they do it without parental consent, but this bill would make sure that the parents are kept totally, 100% in the dark under an absolutely... I'm almost stupefied to even even try to, to articulate this. Under an absolutely horrific distortion of any sense of, quote-unquote, right to privacy. I mean, again, parents should absolutely be leaping out of their chairs hearing what the California state legislature is considering allowing your children to do all of this under the guise and with the support of Planned Parenthood. No, and, and, and put aside that uh, no parent wants to endorse or support any type of uh, treatments that would hurt their children. But how are they supposed to prevent a doctor or some uninformed or uneducated healthcare professional from hurting your child if you can't know about it. And, and even if you are for abortion and for all this transgender, uh, you know, hormones and treatment, wouldn't you, don't you have a right as a policy owner to know um, what is being spent on your behalf? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've had disputes with my insurance company about things that they said that, uh, were done by the doctor's office that really weren't done, or pricing. I mean, anybody could be ripped off by Planned Parenthood who could charge whatever <laughs> and make you pay it, and you wouldn't even know you're actually paying Planned Parenthood. I mean, really, this is Planned Parenthood is scraping the bottom of the barrel, trying to find ways to get funding, right? Uh, because, you know, Title X has stripped some of their funding um, to, to do abortions, and, you know, they want to be able to use private insurance uh, to fund abortions and to fund uh, any type of treatment that somebody might not want their parents to know about. And, and talk about but, holding a gun to a parent's head to not only um, have a parent be completely in the dark as to what medical procedures their son or daughter may be receiving, but then to turn around and say, your insurance will pay for this. And by the way, you don't have to give any consent, and we don't care what the copay may, may be. We don't care what how this might impact your deductible or impact your family, not only morally, but financially as well. I mean, the, the economic motivation by, by Pan Parenthood here is very clear, but how that this could even be up for presentation before the legislature's consideration is, is absolutely astonishing and I think demonstrates, Greg, just how far debased 
many members of the California state legislature have become. Well, and they're going to present this as a privacy issue for young adults. Like, you, you read the fact sheet that comes out from the author. The author of this bill, although this is a, uh, a sponsor by Planned Parenthood, the author is Senator Hannah Beth Jackson, a Democrat out of uh, Santa Barbara. And she's the head of the uh, Judiciary Committee in the Senate. And, you know, she's going to present this bill as protecting the privacy rights of young adults who might not want their parents to know that they have an STD, right? Um, and, yeah, but you would think if, if a young person wants privacy about their health care treatment, they should get their own insurance, right? Uh, the policy owner should have the right to know what their policy is paying for, especially when they're going to be probably uh, flipping the bill. Uh, I don't know about you, but my, I have a huge deductible on my insurance. It's thousands of dollars i got to pay up front before the insurance kicks in. A lot of people have policies like that. And so more or less parents and policyholders are going to be forced to pay a bill. They don't even know what it's for, right, just to protect the child, the young person's right um, for health care. Uh, to keep it private. But it, it, this, this fact sheet that the senator puts out mentions nothing about the minor, right? You have to go to the bill to realize this affects minor treatments as well. Anything that a minor can consent to, this applies to. Wow. Now, while certainly this is sort of on hold until the um, legislature comes back for session in May, meanwhile, to not waste any time, how should parents be responding? Obviously, we need to have a united and forceful reaction to this. What are the next steps? Well, what we've been encouraging people to do is make sure your own senator that represents you knows that you know about this bill and that you oppose it. So that's the first thing. And does everybody know who their senator is? Fairly easy to find that out. And then we are encouraging people to, to light up the phones in Senator Hansbeck Jackson's office, uh, inundate her office with phone calls, right? I mean, what's going to happen over the next couple months is because of this coronavirus and things have been shutting down for a couple of months, they're going to have each legislator is probably going to have to pare down the bill that they have introduced. Each of them gets 25 bills, right, to introduce. They're going to have to pare that down. If you want to convince Hannah Beth Jackson, this is one of the bills that she needs to pare down and get rid of. And time is of the essence here. And I say that even though I've acknowledged that the session will not return until May, that could be delayed, dependent upon the progress of the coronavirus. And we don't want this to just kind of fall by the wayside, become forgotten about, and suddenly make its way through the process to everyone's surprise. Uh, there are Absolutely. resources available on the California family website, are there not, that would help people if they don't know who their senator is to find out, to locate the telephone number for Hannah Beth Jackson of Santa Barbara and uh, information on how to write or contact their member of the um, California State Senate? Well, we do have on our website, featured on our webpage at californiafamily.org. That's californiafamily.org. You can go there and you can see uh, highlighted uh, on the homepage page. Uh, information about this particular story. If you're looking for your own legislator, it's fairly easy uh, to do a Google search and just type in, find my uh, California rep legislator. Find my California legislator, and a, and a website pops up that says, find your California representative, uh, and you click on there, and you type in your address, and it will tell you who represents you in California. Very easy. 
And again, we're speaking specifically to Senate Bill 1004-1004. And uh, to be sure, you're going to be hearing a lot about this in the coming days and weeks. We'll be uh, putting the reminders out there here on KFAX. So it's important, while you got some time on your hands, to take decisive action today. Because this most draconian of measures to come down the pike in certainly a a while um, can be absolutely devastating at so many levels. I'm, I'm really at a loss for words. Uh, Again, that is Senate Bill 1004. You want to reach out to California State Senator Hannah Beth Jackson of Santa Barbara. And there's more resources available, not only by, of course, certainly Googling to get the information about who your member of the Senate is, but then more resources available, too, at the website of the California Family Council. Simply go to CaliforniaFamily.org. That's CaliforniaFamily.org. Our thanks to Greg Burt, Director of Capital Engagement, for that update. And, uh, Greg, as we move along the way here, uh, do keep us posted as to what's transpiring with this very dangerous bill. I will certainly do that. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And back to our conversation. Dr. David Levy with us tonight. A look at gray matter. Neurosurgeon discovers the power of prayer one patient at a time. As you develop the the faith, the strength, the willingness to kind of take the risk, I guess we'd call it, doctor, and, and begin praying for your patients, what kind of a change have you seen come over, not just your practice, but your own personal relationship with God? Well... Craig, I think that, uh, that so many of us are burned out on medicine, and uh, I think it's, uh, I believe it's partially due to the fact that, well, we are to give glory to God, and I think so much of medicine is designed around getting glory for the physician, getting the referrals for the physician, and I've certainly uh, been guilty of that for many years, and so there's something about, um, as as we give glory to God, there it, there is a change that occurs in me. I, I, you know, just somehow the medicine takes on a different flavor. Um, you know, I can give you an example of a, uh, a patient named Ron who came in with uh, a, a problem in his, in the brain. He had a, a, a number of other problems. He was only 40 years old, and he had um, arthritis in his neck and his back. And so I, I began to ask him about um, his emotional health. And I asked him something for the first time. I'd never asked a patient this before. I said, uh, Ron, is there someone that you can't forgive? And he's an enormous man. He's this uh, Marine, an enormous guy. And so he sort of looked at me with this, you know, very bold face. And I'm on one of those little rolling stools. And so I'm starting to roll away from him, (laughs) rolling back to the wall. And finally he said, my mother. And I said, excuse me, I thought, you know, maybe his drill sergeant or his father. And he said, no, my mother. And I said, well, well Ron, what, what happened? And he said, well, my dad left when I was young, but my, uh, my mom, you know, shacked up with a number of different guys, and they would drink, and they would, uh, they would get in fights with her. And I got between uh, one of these men and my mother, and I got knocked down the stairs. And I, I stood up, and I said, come on, Mom, let's get out of here. And she said, no, I'm not leaving. I've hated her. He said, I've hated her since that time. And I've, um, in 30, that was 30 years ago. And so I said, wow, Ron, that's, that's what I'm looking for 
but I'm going to ask you to do something really courageous. I'm going to ask you to forgive her. I said, uh, you know, I want to help you. Would you be willing to do that? So he, he paused for a few moments and then said, okay, yeah, I've, I've, I've hung on to this long enough. And so, you know, I led him through a, a prayer, a declaration of forgiveness um, for his mother and for this guy who uh, knocked him down the stairs. And, and then I said, Ron, um, you've forgiven. Is there anything that you need to be forgiven for? And he said, yeah. And so he, um, I said, well, who, who forgives sins? And he said, Jesus does. And so he, he began to confess his, you know, his sins. Because, you know, when, when people hurt us, we generally hurt others. That's just the way it happens. And so this man, you know, walked out of my office, you know, like a foot off the ground. He, he felt just emotionally and physically so much better. He still had to have the surgery, and the surgery went well. But even six months later, he was still joyful because I had taken the time. Now, the interesting thing, when he, when he stood up uh, after I finished uh, the office visit, he said, uh, he said, I feel like calling my mother. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't talked to her in 30 years. And so he, he, they had a family reunion. I mean, you know, that little um, conversation had an incredible ripple effect through that whole family because his mother had started going back to church in New York, and he flew back there, and other members of the family were getting together. And, and, and I think as physicians, or even as friends, um, you know, we can, we can help each other forgive. I mean, if you listen to a friend or a colleague complain about their, you know, their ex or their boss or something, uh, and you've heard it a number of times, say, hey, I've heard that enough. Let, let's forgive. Uh, let's, let's get this. This is not good for you. This is not good for your health. And so I, I really emphasize in the book the, uh, the health benefits of forgiveness. Certainly, it, it's had not only an impact on your practice, but your own personal life, too. Mm. It, it has, yes. I, I've, I've certainly, um, obviously, have to practice what I preach. So I, I um, uh, you know, I have to forgive. I have to... Um, you know, I actually have to make time in my schedule, usually lunch hour, to to spend talking with patients because oftentimes an office visit is not enough time. And so I, there's nothing I'd enjoy more than spending my lunch hour talking about a patient's spiritual concerns. It's it's a it's just a beautiful time of my day. Um, and so yeah, my my life has changed, and I think I think for the better. Well, we certainly appreciate you sharing with us tonight, Doctor. I mean, it, it just, just goes so nicely hand in glove with the topic we had in hour number one this evening of the importance of the church getting involved and in impacting the world around us. And what easier, better place to start than to begin incorporating the power of prayer, not just in our lives privately, but also publicly as well, as Dr. Levy has done in his own practice. The book, Gray Matter, a neurosurgeon discovers the power of prayer, one patient at a time. The book published by Tyndale House and available at Christian bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as as well as through Amazon.com. And uh, once again, our thanks to its author, our guest today, Dr. David Levy. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. 
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.